So every band, every artist has to start somewhere. And usually those first efforts are, um, well, they're quickly buried beneath the weight of the success of later recordings. In this episode of The Eclectic Monk, I want to introduce you or reintroduce you to some really great first albums by bands and artists that you have heard of before. Uh, But these forgotten first albums are worth another listen. Stick around. Any way you want it, loving, touching, squeezing, lights, wheel in the sky, don't stop believing. That's journey, of course. What about of a lifetime? Have you ever heard of a lifetime by journey? My guess is probably not. Off of their debut album in 1975, This is a journey that a lot of people have just never become familiar with because they had no chart hits. They had very little promotion uh, outside of the San Francisco area. Really, no one ever heard of them. Steve Perry's not the lead vocalist. Greg Raleigh is the lead vocalist. And Greg Raleigh, of course, was the great keyboardist and vocalist for Santana from the late 60s into the early and mid-70s. In fact... Greg Raleigh and Neil Sean were both members of Santana's band when they broke away and started Journey in 1975, which is when this album is released. Their first album is called Journey. It's uh, green. It's got uh, five guys standing on the ground or falling through the air in kind of astronaut jumpsuits. Um, And this is a really great prog fusion album. It sounds nothing like loving, touching, squeezing, or don't stop believing. There's nothing about this record that will remind you of those great bombastic journey hits that are going to come later on in the late 70s and early 80s. And, and I love Journey. I love the later stuff. I love Steve Perry's voice. He was so fantastic. But I'll never forget buying this first album. I had discovered Journey uh, when the Evolution album had come out. And uh, so that was in 1979, 1980. Uh, And I went to the record store to see if there was more Journey. And lo and behold, there in the cutout rack on the back of the record store was this album by Journey. The logo's totally different. The band members look different. The whole album just seemed kind of different and I bought it for like three bucks I took it home and I put it on and I was so immediately blown away by what I was hearing this is a great album side one is particularly good Uh, it's ranks in the top five album sides of all time in my personal opinion I just think it's a great record And you can hear that Santana influence. You can hear the jazz influence, as well as the more prog rock. The tracks are long. There's a lot of instrumental tracks on the record. 
And Greg Raleigh, to me, is just one of the great underrated vocalists of all time. You probably know him best as the lead singer on Black Magic Woman by Santana. That's Greg Raleigh. And he is the heart of Journey, right up until he left the band uh, after the Escape album. So if you've never heard this album, you need to go out and get it. You need to listen to Journey. By the way, great trivia question for anyone. You can say, who was the fifth member of Journey on their first album? Because there are five people standing on the cover. And of course, most people think that the fifth member of Journey is Steve Perry, because indeed on their fourth album, Infinity, he becomes the fifth member of Journey. And on the second and third album, there are only four members. There's Greg Raleigh, Neil Sean, Ross Valerie, and Ainsley Dunbar, who was the drummer on the first four Journey albums. But on that very first album, there's a fifth member, a guy named George Tickner, who's a guitarist and uh, was a studio musician who was part of that initial band. And then after the first album came out, he was no longer a member. He didn't tour with them. He didn't play with them. Uh, although he did work in the studio with them some, I believe. So Journey from 1975, you need to listen to that record. 1974, just the year before, Kansas is formed, and Kansas releases their first album called, oddly enough, Kansas. Now, of course, we all know Kansas, Carry On, Wayward Son, Dust in the Wind, and so many other great songs. But on this very first album that they put out, there were no hits. They released a couple of singles. Lonely Wind uh, was probably the, the main one that came out and gained no traction, got no airplay. Uh, it was re-released off of the live album that they put out several years later and uh, gained a little bit of traction. In fact, that's where I first heard the song because I bought the live album and then went back and bought their first album. Of course, I was in love with Point of No Return and Left Overture, two fantastic records. But when you go back to Kansas's very first record and listen to it, you're going to really kind of hear this hodgepodge. It's a very kind of almost mixed up album. It's very prog, very progressive, very hard rock. I love Death of Mother Nature Suite, which is the, the closer on side two. Just a fantastic song. Uh, Journey to Maribond shows that uh, great Carrie Livgren writing style where he's telling this story that he kind of drops you into the middle of. Uh, and and it's, it's a really, really interesting record. It's got a lot of high points, and it's got some low points. There are some rough cuts on Kansas's first album. I'm not going to lie. There's a couple of them that you kind of yawn through, and you're glad when they're over. But as a whole, it's very, very fascinating to see and hear where this band starts. And you're going to see where they're going to show up uh, three albums later when Left Overture comes out. Uh, with Carry On Wayward Son, and, and that is just a masterpiece of progressive rock and roll. Everyone needs to be listening to Kansas, one of the bands that's not in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, much to the shame of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Come on, Cleveland, get with it. Kansas deserves to be in the Rock Hall. I just don't understand. Well, going back in time a little bit more, back to 1972, we find a guy that uh, we're all familiar with, named Peter Frampton. Now, Frampton had actually been a guitar player with the English band Humble Pie until 1971. He left them, and he went into the studio, and he recorded an album called Winds of Change in 1972. 
And I love this record. This is one of those albums, it's, it's very, very laid back. Uh, there's a lot of acoustic music on it. Uh, he's got uh, probably the, the big song off of it, which didn't chart very well. Again, there were no big hits on this record. But uh, Winds of Change, of course, is a great song. All I Want to Be is By Your Side was probably the single that was uh, most well-known. And, of course, you hear both of those songs as well as his version of Jumpin' Jack Flash, the great Rolling Stones song, on the live album, Frampton Comes Alive. So he plays three or four hit songs off of the first album in that concert, uh, which was recorded in 1976, so it's about four years later. But 1972, Peter Frampton's Winds of Change, is a, it's just one of those albums that if you've had a long, stressful day and you just want to unwind to some great, fantastic guitar work, because Peter Frampton is, above all, an incredible guitarist, um, put on this album and just lay back and listen. Um, again, Peter Frampton, again, one of those highly, I think, underrated artists. People don't uh, really give Peter Frampton his due, but I think, uh, for my money, just one of the, the great uh, guitar artists of all time and, and a, a wonderful vocalist, fantastic writer. I just love Peter Frampton. Uh, and this, his very first solo album is well-produced. Billy Preston appears on it. Ringo Starr appears on it. I mean, it's kind of an all-star event uh, because he is, you know, well-known with his time with Humble Pie, although Humble Pie was not nearly as big in America as they were in the UK. So, Journey's first album, You Need to Listen. Kansas, their first album, You Need to Listen Again. Peter Frampton's Winds of Change, fantastic album. You need to listen to it. When we come back, I've got two more fantastic and almost forgotten first albums everybody needs to be paying attention to. Stick with me. Journey, Kansas, Peter Frampton. Bands, artist, world-renowned, loved by millions. The next one on the list, maybe even bigger than all of them. Of course, we're talking about my favorite, one of my favorites. That's hard to say favorite, but an artist I love, vocalist I love, performer I love. That's Rod Stewart. Now, I know, I know, I'm a guy. Guys aren't supposed to like Rod Stewart. Rod Stewart, you know, did all that disco stuff in the, the late 70s and early 80s and she even went on to do American Songbook stuff, which is fantastic. If you haven't listened to Rod Stewart, you know, sing Gershwin, you, you haven't experienced Gershwin the way it needed to be listened to. But in 1969, that's right, 1969, Rod Stewart released his very first solo album. Now, he had been with the Jeff Beck group starting in 1967. He's on the first two Jeff Beck group albums as lead vocalist. And, uh, and really, really fantastic records. If you're not into Jeff Beck, you need to go back and listen, especially those early recordings with Rod Stewart. But in 1969, uh, Rod Stewart broke away from Jeff Beck and went into the studio, recorded his first solo album called, in America, the Rod Stewart album. Uh, the UK release was called An Old Raincoat Won't Ever Let You Down. If you see that, that's an import version. You should buy it because it'll be cooler to have. But either way, 
this is a really good record. And it's interesting because Rod Stewart is, as far as I know, the only guy who had a solo career and was fronting a well-known band called The Faces. At the same time, from 69 to 75, he was the lead singer and frontman for The Faces, who were releasing music as The Faces. And meanwhile, Rod Stewart is releasing solo work on side projects at the same time. Pretty prolific and amazing artist, and I'm telling you, uh, especially his his first uh, four or five albums, the late 60, of course, 69, the first album, through about 75, his music was, to me, just incredible. Uh, his vocal performances are incredible, and he, he turned out to be a very, very good writer. But this first album is pretty interesting. A lot of the guys you're playing with the faces, Ronnie Woods and some others, uh, are with him in the studio, and when I listened to it not long ago, I was really struck by the fact that um, it's 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 kind of folky, it's kind of roots rock, uh, and but there's a little bit of hint of psychedelia in it uh, when you listen to it. Uh, the the song that most people would have heard off this album is "Handbags and Glad Rags," which is a great song. Uh, if you haven't listened to that one lately, uh, go to YouTube and pull it up. "Handbags and Glad Rags" by Rod Stewart. You've probably heard it somewhere along the way. But this first outing as a solo artist just gives you a glimpse of the sheer energy and talent that Rod Stewart brings to rock and roll. He is first and foremost a rock and roll artist. Even though he slipped into, you know, some other stuff later in his, you know, we have pop and and uh disco. Uh, later in his career, and he, it's all done with a wink, by the way. If you go back and you listen to those um, those late 70s, early 80s recordings of Rod Stewart, uh, he's making fun of himself because he knows where he came from, but he was into it for the money, for sure. Anyway, uh, again, not ashamed to say I am a huge Rod Stewart fan, and I really, really love that first album. Uh, his first four or five albums are, are just fantastic. But the first one, really good record and definitely one that you need to pick up and listen to. Well, that brings me to my favorite first album, uh, released in 1973. And, and if you know me, you know I'm going to say Queen <laughs> because their first album is a masterpiece. They actually were recording at Trident Studios in London off hours. Their uh, management was able to get them studio time when no one else was in the studio. So, I mean, David Bowie would leave the studio at midnight and then the guys from Queen would go in and record till 5 a.m. when somebody else would be coming in to take over. And in between those times, they were they were discovering, creating, and, and, and embellishing on this incredible style that they were going to uh, just rule the world with. Again, their first album is simply called Queen. It's got a fuzzy pink cover with Freddie Mercury on the front of it, you know, kind of blurred out. Um, There's nothing outstanding about the cover, but when you put that record on and you listen to it, uh, you are immediately, immediately shown just how talented these four guys were. Uh, we forget. I mean, everybody thinks about Freddie Mercury as being being the great showman, right? The great voice and the, the the stage presence. And yes, he had all that. 
But Freddie Mercury was a really good piano player and an incredibly talented lyricist and songwriter. They were masters at song craft. When you listen to Brian May's songs that he wrote, it's just he was was thoughtful and innovative. His first album has, you know, of course, he's got his homemade guitar that he and his dad built. Um, and John Deacon is an incredible lyricist. He's a great writer and a very, very innovative bassist. If you listen to the bass work on this first album and you understand that the bass is not only a, a guitar, but it's a percussive instrument, right? It's, it's both. And John Deacon's bass work is some of the very best, and you don't notice it, and that's the mark of a great bassist. Paul McCartney, the same way. We underrate and underappreciate a great bass player. John Deacon was one. And of course, actually, Roger Taylor, the drummer, is one of, he's, I just love Roger Taylor. I love his voice. I love what he did with the drums, and I love the songs that he wrote. He is the rocker of the group. And uh, this first album, I'm telling you, it is unlike anything else Queen did. It opens the door. They had no serious hits off it. Keep Yourself Alive was the single that was released off of it and actually kind of re-released after uh, Bohemian Rhapsody uh, took off in 1975. But in 1973, when this little album appeared and, and went un by unnoticed, when nobody cared, nobody realized what incredible superstars these four guys were going to turn out to be. So go listen to Journey's first album. It's called Journey. Listen to Kansas's first album. It's called Kansas. Peter Frampton's Winds of Change. The Rod Stewart album. I know that's an innovative name. And then Queen, simply titled Queen. These are five relatively forgotten first albums, none of which had huge hits on them, none of which changed the dial, but all have whispers of the incredible musical influence that was to come by these five important groups and artists. So, I hope you enjoyed this. I hope you will go out and listen. And I hope you'll uh, give me some feedback as you do. Let me know which of these five first albums you find the most compelling. I like them all. Friends, until the next time we get together, please travel well. And God bless you. See you later. Thank you for listening to The Eclectic Monk. Uh, if you enjoy this podcast, I appreciate it if you would like it on whatever uh, site you're listening to. And go ahead and subscribe and review the podcast. That would really help me out. Uh, those of you who are interested in knowing more about uh, me and what's going on in my world, check out TheEclecticMonk.com and you can get a little bit more insight and see some more content and figure out where we're going with this thing. Uh, and until the next time we gather together, safe travels. God bless.